One of the things I miss most about doing worship virtually is singing hymns with you. And so that's why I'm so glad uh, Ryan is here to sing for us these two beautiful and resonant hymns. I'm so pleased with the way the hymns this morning fit with our scripture passage and with my message. I hope you'll consult the bulletin that's online. There are a couple of worship notes about these beautiful, majestic hymns that fit so well with today's message. For instance, the closing hymn was written by Dietrich Bonhoeffer around Christmas in 1944 from a Gestapo prison. He wrote it to his fiancée. He says, By gracious powers so wonderfully sheltered and confidently waiting, come what may, we know that God is with us night and morning and never fails to meet us each new day. And the scripture passage for this morning is from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8. Joe and I have been preaching this sermon series during the season of Pentecost and beyond called Only the Lonely, in which we're looking at several scriptural passages which talk about the constant near presence of God and this beloved text. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who will be against us? God spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who then will condemn? It is Christ that died, yea, who is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, interceding for us. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or pestilence, or peril, or the sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through the one who loved us. And I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation shall ever be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thanks be to God for God's comforting word. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I am so pleased with the splendid job the media is doing in chronicling our collective experience during the time of coronavirus. And I don't just mean all the statistics and all the science and all the warnings and all the safety advice and the news about the search for a vaccine. I'm talking about how the media are paying attention to what's happening, happening to us psychologically in our personal lives. For instance, the Washington Post ran a story about Gina Fernandez, who is 33 years old and lives in a studio apartment in Washington, D.C. Now, her quarantine is probably coming to an end now, but the whole ling lingering experience was so disheartening for her. She felt very alone. Gina likes to quote Charlotte from Sex and the City. I've been dating since I was 15. I'm exhausted. Where is he? Her friends gather together for quarantinis on Zoom regularly, but she avoids these gatherings because in their little Zoom boxes, everybody is all coupled up. They're sitting there on the couch with arms intertwined and little children Zoom in and out of the frame, pardon the pun. Gina says, 
at my age, everybody is coupled up like Noah's Ark. Here we are at the end of the world, and I am in my apartment of one. She has not touched anybody in weeks. Gina wonders how long it would uh, take anyone to find her if she died alone in her apartment, like that woman from Brooklyn who had been dead in her home alone for over a year before the neighbors even noticed. Now, Gina is joking, mostly, but it's not very funny. We're in phase four now, so I guess you could say it's over for now, but it lasted 90 days. Some introverts are saying, living my best life, love the solitude. Henry David Thoreau found human connection to be shallow and tedious. He said, we live thick and get in each other's way and stumble across each other. And so he self-quarantined at Walden Pond for two years, two months, and two days. But not most of us, right? While I'm lost in thought, walking the dog, the face of someone I love and miss will flash randomly and unbidden into my mind, and I'll say to myself, because there's no one else there, I'll say to myself, I haven't seen King Poor in three months. Where in the world did he disappear to? Now, the good news is that even if we are bereft of human companionship, We're never lacking God's near presence. Scripture is strewn with promises of God's close, constant, conspicuous companionship. And if you do the right Google search, you will eventually find a web page which is called 108 Scripture Texts About Loneliness. You heard me right, 108, and the list is not even exhaustive. And maybe the apex of all of these 108 promises of God's near presence is that passage I read a moment ago. It is one of the most familiar and beloved texts in all the Bible. And only our long familiarity with it prevents us from being surprised when we come across this little poem right in the middle of all this dense, abstract theology. Now, as you know, Paul's letter to the Romans is his magnum opus, It's the shapely, towering precis of his entire life's work and thought. But it is dense, dry, and difficult. It's almost 10,000 words long and reads like a doctoral dissertation because that's what it is. This is how Paul got his Ph.D. And right about the midpoint of all this sophisticated, twisting, turning argumentation, we come upon this perfect little glittering diamond of a passionate pastoral poem where Paul pauses to pastor his parishioners. Now, in 35 years, I've officiated at about 400 funerals, and I've read this passage about 60 times. It's what holds us up and keeps us going when we say farewell to a long love. For I am certain that neither death, nor life, nor principalities, nor powers, nor pestilence, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will ever, ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul pulls one arrow after another out of his quiver, piling up the perils we're afraid of. And it's no accident, of course, that Paul lists death first among that fierce catalog of menaces that threaten us. Death is humanity's archenemy. 
You remember what Shakespeare has Claudius say in measure, to measure for Measure, right? Aye, but to die and to go we know not where, to lie in cold obstruction and to rot, to bathe in fiery floods, or to reside in thrilling region of thick-ribbed ice, to be imprisoned in the viewless winds, the weariest and most loathed worldly life that age, ache, penury, and imprisonment can lay on nature is a paradise to what we fear of death. A paradise to what we fear of death. Ana Duarte Velasco is a nurse in Barcelona during this time of COVID-19. She says, the look of fear in the eyes of the dying will never be erased from my memory. I feel rage and helplessness. Aye, just right, yes? We feel rage and helplessness when we send a dear one off to the undiscovered country on the far side of the grave. And yet, who occupies and reigns that undiscovered country on the far side of the grave? It's none other than God, God's very self. And even death has no power over God's love. Even death cannot pry us out of God's fell grip. Death, be not proud, though some have called thee mighty and dreadful. Thou art not so. One short sleep past, we wake eternally. And death shall be no more. Death, thou shalt die. But Paul's not finished yet. He knows it's not just death we fear. I'm certain that neither death nor life nor principalities and powers will ever be able to separate us from the love of God. What's principalities and power? What is Paul talking about? Well, I am glad you asked. Remember that sermon series I preached earlier this year? Of course you do. That sermon series called The Elemental Spirits, Earth, Wind, Fire, and Water. Earth, Wind, Fire, and Water are called the Elemental Spirits because for the ancient Greeks, they were so powerful, they became gods. The ancient Greeks personified and deified earth, wind, fodder, and uh, fire, and water. They are the elemental spirits. And what Paul wants to say is that the earth will quake and flatten our skyscrapers. The wind will rage and wreck the entire city of New Orleans. The fire will blaze and kill 85 people in California and a billion animals in Australia. The waters will rise and destroy most of a prosperous Michigan town. But even these fierce spirits, these potent principalities and powers, cannot dislodge us from God's imperishable mercy. Not even death. Arletta Sasser was a member of my Grand Rapids congregation for 58 years. How's that for a name? Arletta Sasser. She'd been an accomplished musician, trained at the Cincinnati Conservatory, played at Carnegie Hall and the Metropolitan Opera House. She'd been a powerful force in the early years of very fine Grand Rapids music. She literally set the stage for the very fine Grand Rapids Symphony and for our great St. Cecilia Society. But by the time I arrived in Grand Rapids to pastor that church, Alzheimer's had stolen her letter from us. She was all alone when she died. Her husband had been dead for years. She never had any children. And many of her friends were gone, and the friends she had left she did not recognize. She was all alone when she died, but not really. There was somebody waiting to catch her when she fell. My church took good care of Harletta. 
We had a deacon named Betty who would visit Harletta frequently. And one time when Betty visited, she said, How are you, Harletta? And Harletta responded, Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Very inappropriate response to the question, How are you, right? Maybe not. Among the thousands of beautiful Americans taken from us by the coronavirus was Annie Castor Glenn. She died on May 19 of COVID-19. She was 100 years old. Annie Castor met her future husband, John Glenn, before either of them could walk or talk in a playpen. Their parents were good friends. You might remember that for much of her life, Annie was a severe stutterer. Doctors said that she was 85% disabled, which meant that 85% of the time she could not get out the words that she wanted to say. She never spoke on the telephone. She never asked a store clerk to help her with merchandise in a department store. In taxi, she would write down the address she was going to, and in restaurants, she would point at the menu. Her husband John was the first American to to orbit the earth in 1962. He, of course, later served as a U.S. senator for 24 years. And best of all, he was an elder in his Presbyterian church. Colonel Glenn flew 59 combat missions during World War II and 90 during the Korean War. He shot down three MiGs and earned six distinguished flying crosses. Every time... Colonel Glenn left Annie for deployment. He would say goodbye to her in the same way. Every time to the Marshall Islands or Midway in the South Pacific and later to South Korea, where he earned the affectionate nickname Magnet Butt because of the amount of flack his planes drew. Twice he returned to base with over 250 bullet holes in his plane. And every time he left for one of those dangerous missions, every time he would say to Annie, I'm just going down to the corner store to buy a pack of gum. Every time. And Annie would respond, don't be long. Because when there was just the two of them there, she could get those three words out. Don't be long. And... When Colonel Glenn left Annie to go back into space aboard the Discovery at the age of 77 in 1998, he said the same thing. I'm just going down to the corner store to get a pack of gum. And this time, he gave her a pack of gum. And she held it close to her heart until he came safely home. When Colonel Glenn died in uh, 2016, they had been married for 73 years. Just going down to the corner store to get a pack of gum. Don't be long. Now, none of us will ultimately escape the reach of that fell fiend death, but when we do submit, we fall straight into the encompassing mercy of the maker of all the burning stars and spinning worlds. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.